Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Today I want to talk about happiness. I think when you're young, you, you think happiness is inevitable. It's just around the corner. You're going to find the fulfilling job. You're going to uh, be married to the person who's just going to uh, make all your dreams come true. But as you get older, happiness is inevitable, uh, transitions to happiness feels unattainable. I've heard this described as a difference between um, uh, two of Shakespeare's most famous plays, Much to Do About Nothing and Hamlet. And Much to Do About Nothing, the way it ends is, you know, everybody's dreams comes true. Everybody gets to marry who they want to marry. Everyone that they thought was dead is really alive. The person who betrayed you actually didn't really betray you. Everything unwinds to a happily ever after. And then you got Hamlet where everybody dies and hates each other and bitter and disappointment. And, uh, and so people say that life is like that. When you're young and naive, you know, life is like much due to about nothing. And then when you get older, life becomes about Hamlet. The Bible says, though, that happiness is neither inevitable, uh, but nor is it unattainable. The Bible says that happiness is possible. And that's what we're going to talk about today in Psalm chapter one. Uh, we, are, we are in this series called the, the Psalms of Summer. And, you know, if I was to do the whole, like, you know, if you were on a desert island, you know, routine, you know, what book, what, what person, what movie, uh, if you were to ask me what book of the Bible I would want on a desert island, I would choose the Psalms because in the Psalms, it's all there. It's, there's the gospel, uh, there is lament, there is rejoicing, there is poetry, there is music. Speaking of music, if you go to our YouTube channel, you can find uh, songs written about each one of these Psalms that we're going through. But not only that, there is wisdom. And that's where we find ourselves today. Uh, the, the author here, David, he's giving us wisdom on how we can get Happiness and, and theologians point to Psalms 1 as being the, the gateway to all the other uh, 149 Psalms, but not only that, the entire Bible, because they put out two visions for life one that leads to happiness and one that doesn't. And what the psalmist says here in Psalm 1, he says, Those that walk with God, he says, they're like trees with deep roots beside streams of water, who bears fruit year after year after year, and their leaf does not wither, and um, they prosper in all that they do. Why? Because uh, typically a tree will depend upon a favorable season, uh, that would be spring, to get the water it needs to, to flourish so that it provides shade, it provides color, it provides fruit. So in other words, if that person who depends upon seasons and, and weather, their, their happiness is seasonal. Their happiness depends upon the season. But the tree that's planted by the streams, um, as the roots go down into an exhaustible source because it's planted by the stream, and so that, that, that it's, it's leaves, uh, it's, it's shade, it's color, it's not seasonal because it's planted. It's, it's rooted in something that is uh, inexhaustible. The ungodly, by contrast, the, the scriptures say, are like the chaff. The chaff is a shell around the wheat, and it's very fragile. In fact, what people would do to separate the, the chaff from the wheat is they would simply just throw it up in the air, and just even the slightest breeze would move the chaff along. When your happiness is based upon 
circumstances, it's all up and down and all over the place. And so the psalmist here is talking about comparing and contrasting uh, two different ways of living. One where you're like this tree that's planted by streams of water that's, that's you know, in season, out of season, your happiness is constant, or uh, a happiness that's rooted in, in circumstances that is temperamental, that is seasonal, that depends upon the external environment in order for you to be happy. So if, you're, if your happiness is dependent upon your circumstances, it's going to be elusive. Tim Keller, in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, he says, the modern approach to happiness is to remove any and all suffering, avoid discomfort, sedate pain, eliminate disease. Now, these are good and worthy goals, but no amount of money or power or planning can prevent bereavement, uh, dire illness, relationship betrayal, financial disaster, or a whole other host of problems that are going to come into your life. Human life is very, very fragile and subject to forces beyond our control. So we will never succeed at removing all pain and suffering. The reality is, is that, that, that struggles in this life are common. Working a job is hard. Marriage um, is hard. Remember what it was like before you got married? I mean, I, we do marriage, you know, we used to do marriage counseling all the time and people come in, oh, we're so in love and we're just gonna be the happiest couple ever. We're never gonna have problems. Um, Everything's gonna be great. And then three weeks into the marriage, you're like, why are you still alive? Like, you know, you just, it's hard. Marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. Um, you know, I, I noticed this the other day. This is, I noticed that I don't talk about parenting as much as I used to. You know, back when I didn't have kids or when my kids were very little. When, when they, when, but now that they're older and they got minds of their own and uh, man, like, it's just like parenting is, is, is difficult. Uh, I remember before kids, you know, you'd see, you know, you'd see, parents in the store and you know, they're just saying, just do it because I said so. And you're thinking to yourself, like, I'll, I would never do that. Like when I have kids, I'm just gonna sit them down. I'm gonna explain them all the reasons for it. But then again, a few weeks into it, you realize, man, this is hard. This is difficult. Marriage is difficult. Parenting is difficult. So if your whole strategy for being happy is just like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have this, this great marriage and, this, and these great kids and this great life and finances and all this kind of stuff, and if I can get the right external environment, that's what's going to make me happy. David's like, man, that's like chaff in the wind. Like, it's just gonna blow away. Like, it's, your, your happiness is not going to be very consistent. He's saying, but you can be happy if you, if, you, if you plant your tree, if you plant your life around streams of water, whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter of your life, you're going to be happy. Uh, later on, David says this in Psalm 4. He says, you, O Lord, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. He's saying there's, there's a way to be happy. There's a way to have joy, even when circumstances aren't going well. And listen, for the Christian, going through bad seasons can actually deepen your joy because it drives you deeper into Christ. In fact, when trees experience drought externally, it causes their roots to go deeper and deeper into water. And if you're planted by streams of water, man, you're just gonna get stronger and stronger and stronger. When you see that you don't have all that you want, but you see that Christ is all you need, that he's better than a job, he's better than a spouse, he's better than health, he's better than finances. Man, you are a blessed man or woman. You are like a tree planted by streams of water with deep, deep roots. The reality is we all want to get, chase comfort. I mean, the most popular chair in America right now is something called the lazy boy. 
I mean, it's just right in the name, lazy. Like we, I, and I want one. I can't have one uh, because it's not very cool. It's not very vintage. Uh, it's not mid-century modern. It's 1980s Big Gulp and Doritos. And I want one. We all want one. We want to be comfortable. We chase comfort, but comfort does not mean happiness. In fact, it's in those times of difficulty, really, that we find true joy in, in happiness. And even in some of the greatest problems that you see, or excuse me, the greatest promises that you see in the Bible uh, have in the background problems. So Psalm 99, it says, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble, which we are like, yes, but do you see that when he is our stronghold, it means that we are oppressed, that we are in trouble. But in the midst of that, he is there and he brings us joy and happiness. First Peter 5, 7, I love this. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Well, what's happening in there? Well, he's caring for you. He's loving you. He's, he's there. He's present. But that means you're going to go through anxious moments. It means you're going to go through depression. It means you're going to go through difficulty. But he's going to be there. And because he's there, because he is the stream, he is the living water, and your roots are in him, there's going to be joy. Or I love it, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. What is he saying there? Well, he's saying that, man, you, my grace is gonna come to you. My strength is gonna come to you. But here's what's gonna happen. You're going to experience weakness and you're going to need grace. We're going to need him. We need to wait on him. The ungodly though, they have no hope. They have no source. They are like the chaff that the wind drives away. When we are anchored in something outside of ourselves, that's where happiness is. Now, we have to feel this and see this because this is the opposite of a myth that's in culture, which is if the, the more free I am, the more happy I'll be. The more free I am, the more happy I will be. A tree without roots is tumbleweed. Now, theoretically, the tumbleweed is freer. It can go wherever it wants, but is it, is it more happy? Is it more sustained? Is it more fulfilled? C.S. Lewis compared this concept. He said, this, this is like a fish that decides he wants to be free by escaping the confines of water. So he flops out of the ocean. True, he is now free of the confines of water, but is he happy? No, the fish was made for the water. You and I were made to be in a relationship with God. You and I were made to be near streams of water. We are not self-sufficient. We need him. And we find our happiness when we are rooted in him. But not only that, it says the ungodly will not survive judgment. Not only in this life here is meaningless, but what he's saying is like when it's all said and done, he will not survive judgment. Psalm 1 says this, the man who knows God lives with an abundant, never ceasing source of joy that endures throughout all seasons in this life. And then when he dies, he receives eternal glory. The ungodly, they live with an increasingly suffocating sense of futility that they have no recourse or pain. Uh, from pain, they find no deeper meaning in suffering. And when they die, they go into judgment. So how does this all happen? Well, it starts with this. It says, blessed is the man who does not walk, who does not stand, who does not sit. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, who does not uh, stand in the way of sinners, who does not sit in the seat of scoffers walking, standing, sitting. And here's what happened. Here's the progression of sin. Sin starts with, you know, you're just walking, you're just walking and you walk by it. And then uh, you were once walking, but now you're standing, you sit by it and then, and, then, and then you take a seat 
and now you're stuck in something. And that's how sin works. Sin, ha- sin has a progression. It starts with just walking by and then you stop and then you sit and then you're stuck. How many know someone who's stuck in something? How many know that, that they, it started with walking by, it started with a temptation, it started by standing and then it, and it ended up with sitting. There's a progression here that it starts with walking, then standing, and then sitting, but there's more to it. There's another progression here, which is counsel, way, and seat. Thinking, behaving, belonging. So it says walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, talking about our thoughts, nor standing in the way of sinners, talking about our behavior, talking about our actions, nor sitting in the seat of scoffers, talking about our identity. In in this ancient culture, where you sat showed where you belong. So, you know, older men with older men, younger men with younger men, you know, uh, younger women, with old, you know, rich, young, they all sat in different seats. So where you sat determined your identity. Here's what he's saying. Let your mind, your behavior, and your identity be shaped by who God is, his word and his people. So it starts with the mind. So the progression again is what you give your thought life to. What's, what are you thinking about? What are you meditating on? What are you giving your mind to? What you think about is really, really important. Philippians says um, to think on good things, whatever is pure, whatever is good. So instead of every morning getting up and you know, flipping on your phone and taking in all the news and all the bad report and the social media, da, 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 taking in the word of God. Before you go digital, go biblical. Take in God's word, what you give your thoughts to. And that leads to actions and actions lead to habits and habit leads to an identity. And this is all shaped again by the community that we are a part of, which I'll uh, address here in a minute. So the secret then is what we have to do with the happy man did that David says, which is that we need to drive our roots deep into God. And that means really two things. Number one, driving your roots deep into his word driving your roots deep into his, it's by the river, it's by his presence. The, 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 the tree that has always been source is constantly, constantly having its roots go deep into God's word. And there's two things that they mentioned. Number one, delighting in it, making it your desire, um, getting wrapped up to it, understanding that there's, there's joy in God's word, there's delight in God's word. You know, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for the living God, for his word. And, and this happens uh, by meditating on it. So, it. so we have to, we can't just read the, the Bible like we re- read the newspaper and just kind of get through it. We have to sit with it. We have to savor it. We have to understand that, man, that the living God of the universe wants to communicate to me. And sometimes we're gonna go through seasons where we just, our heart isn't there and that's okay. We can, we can confess our cold heart to God and say, God, I wanna I want delight in you. I wanna uh, enjoy you. I love this prayer by A.W. Tozer, and we'll throw this on the screen so you can take a picture of it because I think it's a great prayer. He says this, he says, "'Oh God, I have tasted thy goodness, "'and it has both satisfied me "'and made me thirsty for more. "'I am painfully conscious of my need of further grace. "'I am ashamed of my lack of desire, O God. "'I want to want thee. "'I long to be filled with longing. "'I thirst to be made thirstier still.' Give me grace to rise up and follow thee. 
So if you're in a place where it's like, man, I just don't delight, you know, it just feels like routine to me, like take the time to approach God, to get on your knees and, and actually repent of where your heart is so that your heart grows thirsty and, and soft uh, for him again. But it also takes meditation. Now, often when we think about meditation, we think about the Eastern version or the definition, which is to empty the mind. The Eastern uh, version of, uh, is to empty the mind. But biblical meditation is not emptying the mind, it's filling the mind. It's filling the mind with God's word. The Hebrew word for meditate literally means to mumble to yourself. It means that you mumble God's word, you mumble the gospel over and over and over, kind of like how a cow chews to cud. A cow wakes up in the morning, eats some grass, takes a nap, and then wakes up, regurgitates it, gets more nutrients out of it, then he takes another nap, and then he wakes up again, and, and he, he keeps doing this process until he gets all the nutrients out of whatever it is that he's eating. We need to do this with the Bible. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but you need to read the Bible like a cow. Don't wander in sin like a sheep, but eat the word of God like a cow. Savor it, mumble it to yourself, chew it over and over and over and over again. And it's only as you meditate on God's word that you will begin to really delight in it. So what if today you got more serious about God's word? Like you, you really read it daily and you begin to memorize it and meditate on it, study it with small groups. You know, we've got community groups that are starting right now and, and they, they study the passage that we read every Sunday, uh, that we look at every Sunday, and you can be a part of that. And that's a way of like uh, meditating upon it, thinking about it over and over again. It's a way for your roots to go deep. So you need to get serious about God's word. The other thing too is get serious about God's people, the church. If you notice when it says, don't stand in the way, or, um, uh, don't, don't, um, uh, walk with the ungodly, don't stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. Like all these things, these all are talking about influencers in your life. They're all talking about your community. And, you know, maybe a sermon will inspire you or maybe not, but whatever, it's, what, it's your community though that shapes you. The people that you put in your life is what's shaping you. You've, you've probably heard this said, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You are the average of the five people you hang around the most. That's, a, that's what sociologists have found out. So if you want to be like, if you want to know what you're going to look like in the future, just look at your friends. Who you, who's around you? Who's influencing you? Hearing just, you know, just coming to a, a service, whether it's in person or online, and you know, hearing this talk, I'm so glad that you're with us, but that's not what's going to shape you. What's going to shape your life, what's going to determine your happiness uh, or your non-happiness is who's around you. You need to get into community. You need to be in a group at the very least. Now, community group isn't the, the end point for, for community. It's the starting point, but it's more than that. It's, 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 it's sharing your life with people. It's walking with them, and it's, it's having this community um, shaped by uh, the Word of God and having that be the thing that we're all seeking to put our roots down deep. You need to get in community. We need to get serious about God's word and you need to get serious about God's people. Allow your roots to go deep. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, the half committed Christian is the most miserable person on earth. He's just enough in the world to be miserable in the presence of God. And he's just enough into God to be miserable in the world. And maybe you find yourself in that place. You know, we went through quite a year uh, where rhythms got messed up and, and, 
and, and you're kind of like trying to, you're trying to find happiness in circumstances, but you're also trying to find happiness in God. And you're in this place where you just feel miserable with both. And I just want to invite you to, to make the day the day that you say, okay, enough's enough. I'm going to, I, I want to get serious about God's word. I want to get serious about God's people. I want, to, I want my roots to go deep. And maybe you're even thinking like, well, I'm in St. Louis or I'm in uh, the lake or I'm at Washington, wherever I am. Like I'm just here for a few months and then I'll be gone. And, and, and it's kept you in this place of being transient, not really wanting to get your roots deep, not only in the word of God, but in, but in God's people. But I'm telling you, your happiness depends upon allowing your roots to go deep into who God is. We have great promises in him. And, and I wanna end with perhaps the most fundamental part of this passage. And that is God is the source of all of this. He's the stream, we're not. This isn't about what we do. We can position ourselves. We can uh, uh, take the time to read God's word. We can meditate on him. We can get around the right people, but understand that what brings us life is him. He is the stream, his presence, his life in us. It's, and that happens when we submit ourselves to him, when we give our life to him. It says that we become new creations, that he becomes this source inside of us, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. It's something that he does on the inside of us, that you know we are the branches, but he is the vine. He is the source and we abide in him. And so my invitation as we end here right now is for you right now to, to look to him, to see him as the source. He's not going to push his way into your life. Uh, he stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't knock the door down, but he is knocking at your door right now. He's inviting you. He's inviting you right now to allow your roots to go deep in him. And then this is important to get around the kind of people who's going to encourage you in that endeavor. So I'm gonna pray for us uh, and then we'll close. God, I just thank you um, that you invite us into this new life. Lord, we are all lost. We are all wicked. Um, the Bible in the Old Testament and the news say that none are righteous or we don't do righteousness. We receive righteousness from you. We don't do Christianity, you live inside of us. It's, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. God, I, I thank you that you forgive wicked people. Lord, we have all uh, uh, walked by things we shouldn't walk by. We've all stood by things we shouldn't stand by. We've all sat in things we shouldn't. We've all made a mess of our life, but it's your grace, it's your mercy. And I just pray for everyone watching this right now that you would just remind them of your grace, that you remind them of your peace, that you remind them of the joy that's available in you. And God, as we move on today, Lord, as we begin to uh, put our roots deep into your word, as we begin to surround ourselves with the community that you have given us, God, I pray. I just pray for happiness to come into your life. I pray for joy. I pray we'd receive, whether it's, it's summer, winter, spring, fall, whatever season we're in, God, as we're rooted in you, Lord, we know that's where happiness and joy come from. It's all from you. Amen.